It's Monday, October 16th, 1989. Twilight on Pacific Garden Mall, downtown Santa Cruz. There's tall, beautiful trees casting shadows under the street lights. Local independent shops run up and down the street. There's chain department stores too, like Ford's and Godshock's. They're about to close for the night. Some of the big topics of the day, what to do about quote, street people downtown. How much parking should we have and where? Oh, and there's three members of the Santa Cruz City Council who are facing recall. It's one day before a 7.1 magnitude earthquake strikes Santa Cruz, but it seems like business as usual. Here's how Larry Pearson, founder of Pacific Cookie Company on Pacific Avenue, describes that time. The mall was, uh, was, a, fasc- it was a fascinating place. It was a beautiful arboretum. Um, there were you know, species of trees that were not native to our climate, uh, and so they were exotic. The, the activities uh, on the street uh, were also very, very kind of laid back and unique. Neil Coonerty had a, a name he gave to it, Keep Santa Cruz Weird. It was, uh, it was kind of a weird place, but weird in a wonderful way, a free, different way. It was also a place that as soon as nightfall came, everything shut down. There was just no business. There was no retail business at all. There were very few restaurants that were on the mall that were able to survive doing a dinner service. And it was a very limited time of the day where it was, it was activated. But it was, it was also considered the heart of the community. And one reason for its survival and its thriving is that people f- had a very passionate feeling about the place. Then, just after 5 p.m., October 17, 1989, everything changes. A 15-second earthquake reduces the downtown to rubble. This is the story of a divided city and how disaster brought the community together. It's about how consensus shaped the future of Pacific Avenue and how the decisions of a 36-member committee about three decades ago are still influencing downtown development today. On the 30th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake, we're gonna look at how Santa Cruz turned disaster into an opportunity to shape the future of downtown. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. And this is Santa Cruz Local. Oh my God, we're having an earthquake. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Can you feel that? Okay, this is interesting. There go the lights, oh. The earthquake hits Santa Cruz like a sledgehammer. The epicenter of the quake is only about 12 miles east of downtown. Houses sway back and forth. Many collapse. A brick wall topples at the Santa Cruz Coffee Roasting Company, killing a man and woman in their early 20s. The hands on the town clock stop at 5.04 p.m. Dust and debris are everywhere. People walk around with a blank look on their face. Rick Martinez is a young lifeguard who grew up in downtown Santa Cruz. 
I initially responded into the downtown as a rescue first responder. So I was given a probably an outdated decommissioned fire helmet and a pair of work gloves and then told to start moving debris out of uh, the bookshop Santa Cruz and, and roasting company. So I was at the top of the mall uh, fairly quickly, you know, that first evening. So then I transitioned into more of a law enforcement role and had to start securing the downtown, uh, getting people out of the downtown. They set up a perimeter and uh, that and that's pretty much was, uh, was my role after the earthquake was really managing the perimeter and then also um, making sure the inside after it had been secured was, uh, was clear of trespassers. So yeah. I, I did that for like a full year. The inside, what do you mean the inside? The inside, so the entire downtown was uh, fenced off from Laurel and Pacific, so basically down near Taco Bell and Benicio's, all the way to the town clock, from Front Street to Cedar Street. So the entire downtown was fenced off uh, for an entire year. Nobody could go Nobody in could there, go in. and it was just clearing debris, yeah. um, and then in the law evenings, enforcement. Which is primarily when I was working, we were responsible for uh, you know managing security around the perimeter, and then also doing foot patrols on the inside of the mall. What was the risk? Like people were looting? Is it trespassing? Uh, we also had people that uh, were 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 camping within the uh, you know the, the the buildings that were had been vacated or red tagged and that actually led to some fires that's how the St. George had caught fire and actually how the trust building had caught fire was just people trespassing and you know creating warming fires and all told seven people died in Santa Cruz County as a result of the quake and its aftershocks thousands of homes were damaged according to the Santa Cruz Sentinel archives Aftershocks hit again and again, reminders of the trauma. Many families slept in tents. 600 Santa Cruz businesses were affected by the quake. A month after, Cruz had demolished 20 buildings downtown. That displaced 50 businesses. By Thanksgiving, nine tent pavilions were set up for businesses for the Christmas shopping season. In the weeks after the quake, the city focused on finding funding. The city council considered a few options for recovery. It finally settled on a private-public partnership. In December, the Agency to Rebuild Downtown was formed. It had representatives from business, the Chamber of Commerce, the Downtown Association, labor, the art community, and other groups. This group became Vision Santa Cruz. The group's 36 members became known as the Gang of 36. It included Susan Moriello from Santa Cruz County, Cynthia Matthews, Bruce Van Allen, and Larry Pearson from the Pacific Cookie Company. The group was headed by Ron Rhodes of PG&E and Mayor Marty Wormhout. Wormhout told the Sentinel, Quote, it's not really the gang of 36, it's the gang of 51,000, close quote. Remember, the city was divided. The mayor tried to push the city into a new era of cooperation. Larry Pearson again. Um, there were a lot of us that had uh, varying, uh, very different political points of view. Uh, and some people that simply didn't trust each other. And that was characteristic of before the earthquake. Um, uh, but there's nothing like a, a disaster and a tragedy to bring people together for a common purpose. So we, in a way, we were blessed for that because we didn't, we found out very quickly uh, that we could trust each other, that uh, we could respect other people's point of view. We could disagree without being upset or angry. Uh, and that our ideas, although that we thought 
they were just wonderful. When they didn't find purchase in the room of, with 35 other people, well, they weren't so wonderful. And so you have to move on because there's something to accomplish. We have, we have goals we have to accomplish. Well, one thing I think we can't overlook is desperation. That's Charlie Eady. He was the city's project manager for Vision Santa Cruz. Status quo was not an option. And if you think about most planning, you can always not do anything and you still got what you got. It may not be a very good option. We didn't have that option. So that was a real, you know, it was like, like we were in the Iditarod or something. And, you know, this, this desperation kept pulling the sled dogs forward. One of the first tasks of Vision Santa Cruz was to understand what the public wanted. In March of 1990, hundreds of residents attended a two-day workshop in the Santa Cruz High School gym. They sat at tables of 12 and wrote down ideas about what they wanted in a rebuild. By this time, city manager Dick Wilson hired Seal Cirillo to lead the city's redevelopment agency. She was brought in in part because she had experience with big projects in other cities in California. Redevelopment agencies funded things like infrastructure and fixing blighted areas and building affordable housing. Santa Cruz, after the quake, expanded the staff of its agency to handle this influx of projects. That included improving alleyways and building sidewalk kiosks and installing planter boxes. Here's Seal Cirillo. One of the elements that people liked about downtown but the businesses didn't was all of the trees and growth that made it dark and scary. If Vision Santa Cruz was the steering wheel, then Cirillo and her staff were the engine. The redevelopment agency aggressively sought funding, grants, and legislation to allow the downtown to be rebuilt. It was important for us to make the downtown safe and attractive and appealing enough to bring the families back to the downtown. By May of 1990, Vision Santa Cruz had written its first principles. These were guidelines for downtown development, building heights of two to three stories, prioritizing housing like condos and apartments along Pacific Avenue, the San Lorenzo River, and south of Laurel Street. The group was not without friction. They went back and forth about whether to make Pacific Avenue pedestrian only. They argued about what types of trees to put in, where, and how far apart. The group wanted downtown to be vibrant and active. They wanted it to have retail, offices, entertainment, restaurants, and apartments. They wanted the downtown to be active all day and then into the night. They wanted downtown to be a place where people go to meet friends and a place for big civic events. Over the next two years, Vision Santa Cruz oversaw all the nitty-gritty details. Planners call these development standards or design guidelines. They're rules for things like sidewalk widths, window heights, building materials, and facades. A person walking down Pacific Avenue might not notice these things, but it really creates a feeling of downtown. What it also did was create certainty for developers, according to Charlie Eady, the city staffer for Vision Santa Cruz. If developers know what the city is going to approve, they're more likely to get funding. For the city, it was all about reducing risk for investors. Streamlining the permitting process was also important for spurring development. Before the quake, proposals were passed from committees to the Planning Commission, to the City Council, and sometimes back again. No more. Now the city had to be all in early in the process. No more backtracking. Permitting had a strict timeline. By March of 1991, Vision Santa Cruz had approved its final product, 
the Downtown Recovery Plan. That plan today, it's simply called the Downtown Plan. Two years ago, the city changed the name. It's still shaping the area and how development decisions are made. Let's step into today's Pacific Avenue. Now you can see from one end of Pacific Avenue to the other. Before the quake, Pacific Avenue used to curve. Traffic went one way and you couldn't really see the shops because of the trees. Now it's like a boulevard. The idea is to allow tourists to be able to drive at a pedestrian's pace and check out the shops. Then the street guides them to parking garages. Sidewalks were widened on the east side of the street to create a promenade so groups could walk together. And Vision Santa Cruz deliberately planned for two types of trees on Pacific Avenue. Large London plane trees on one side and cherry trees on the other. The London planes provide some shade, but they also keep the shop signs visible. Flowering cherry trees are smaller and at a different scale. And then the public spaces. The plaza in front of O'Neill Surf Shop, where the Cooper House used to be, is meant to be a gathering spot. Another is at the top of Pacific Avenue, in front of the triangular Flatiron Building. Also, the alleys. They used to have dumpsters and garbage cans. Now they have murals. In the past few years, there's been some changes to this downtown plan. Two years ago, the city changed the building heights. That spurred building proposals on the southern end of Pacific Avenue and on Front Street next to the river. Two of those proposals would connect to the river as Vision Santa Cruz had imagined. Those proposals have walkways and a restaurant and shops opening up to the river. And on the table are 800 units of housing across several proposals that could be coming downtown. If the projects happen, it would mark the biggest surge of housing development downtown in decades. Downtown Santa Cruz still has its challenges. The city is still struggling with many of the same questions as it did in 1989. How much housing and for who? How to handle homelessness downtown? How to keep local shops and restaurants in business? How to preserve its character while meeting new needs? But what the city succeeded in is bringing together a divided community to agree on a vision for downtown. Charlie Eady. We talked about, at the time, after the plan was done, well, what would success look like? And we said, you know, success would be as if 20 years after the earthquake, people are using the downtown and nobody knew we had an earthquake. And uh, that's, that's where we are. Before we go, a quick correction from our episode 45, New State Housing Laws Limit Local Control. We told you about AB 1482 and its just cause eviction rules. Those rules do not apply to the majority of single family homes. We updated our episode and the transcript, and the transcript is at santacruzlocal.org. Thank you to all our members. Thank you especially to our guardian level members, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Chris Nicholson, Patrick Riley, Jacob Myberg Guzman, and the Kelly family. 
If you'd like to become a member, visit santacruzlocal.org slash membership. And if you haven't already, sign up for our newsletter. Sign up at santacruzlocal.org. Thank you also to the Virtual Museum of the City of San Francisco and Jennifer Hooker of Santa Cruz Public Libraries for the 911 dispatch tape. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Meiberg-Guzman. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local. Thank you.